I'm John Moscow. And I'm Amy Halpern-Laff. Welcome to the Ethical Schools Podcast, where we speak with educational innovators about creating ethical educational environments and instilling lifelong ethical habits. We often underestimate the power of the arts to support SEL and to create ethical communities. And by SEL, you mean social-emotional learning? Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because schools so often downgrade the arts or they think of them only in terms of whether they can raise, you know, reading or math scores. But when you see children literally jumping up onto a stage to figure out how they can help resolve situations such as bullying or domestic violence, you see how incredibly limiting that way of approaching things is. And today we're going to be talking with Eva Lopez, who is encouraging and empowering children to do exactly that kind of thing. Eva Lopez is the Artistic Director of Act for Change. She's a founding member of the Shaman Repertory Theater in New York, the Teatro del Pueblo in Minnesota, and Casa Cruz de la Luna in Puerto Rico. She has just received a community arts grant from the Bronx Council on the Arts. She teaches Latin American and Latino Latina studies at John Jay College. Dr. Lopez is also the Senior Director for High School and Community Programs at Sobro, an economic development corporation in the South Bronx. Welcome, Dr. Lopez. Thank you. Welcome. This is Amy. So could you tell us a little bit about Act for Change? Just what is it? How does it work? So um, Act for Change actually is a project that I developed as a part of uh, my research at a union institute and university. And it's an adaptation of the theater of the oppressed technique, which comes out of Brazil and was developed by Augusto Boal. It actually consists of a series of about eight weeks or 10 weeks of theater of the oppressed uh, exercises and games. And then it moves into and allows uh, communities, young people and adults to address the social conditions in their community. So they develop original work and then create a forum theater presentation in their community and involve the audience in a social action project afterwards. So it's a pretty comprehensive program, but the goal is really to allow community members, children, and uh, young adults to engage in very meaningful dialogue on the social conditions in their communities. How does does it do that? How does it impact students' decision-making? And do you think that it helps students to make more ethical decisions? You know, I do. I think that what happens, um, uh, because we're using so much of the theory that is uh, grounded in theater of the oppressed, it allows young people to engage in the critical thinking and the the thinking process in a slower mode. And so what happens is that young people and actually the audience begin to take a look at the, the nuances of Um, human interaction and social interaction. And as a result, uh, you begin to start thinking about what is the the most ethical uh, behavior, what is the best course of action 
that would stop oppression. And because at the core of the conversation is how does oppression play itself out in community, within people, within society, then you're able to take a look at these things because you're not looking at it from your immediate perspective. Instead, it is, you know, this is a character that you're looking at. It's not real. And because it's not real, it becomes more real than real. For people who don't know um, Theater of the Oppressed, can you give a very brief, you know, description of what like an actual Act for Change session might look like and, and therefore how, how it does help this decision making process? Okay, so part of the Act for Change um, process, as I said, is to engage in a series of um, theater games and exercises. And then throughout, about uh, halfway through the, the work and the course, young people and whatever group I'm working with, I also work with parents and do parent engagement, uh, engage in in one of the theater techniques which is called image theater and so image theater is sort of this um, it's a series of sort of frozen statues that um, get created and so we address the the uh, social issue that is of concern for that particular group. So it might be bullying, it might be domestic violence, it might be um, substance abuse, any of those topics, right, would then be um, created in a sort of frozen statue. And uh, then that statue begins to sort of come to life. And it, it, it happens in very slow stages. So first it starts maybe with a word, then it starts with one sentence, then it starts with whole sentences, then it starts with images interacting with one another. And so, you know, the, the actual creation of um, the theatrical work, the, the scenario, goes through a series of stages. And I think because of that, young people and and also audience members uh, get to think very meticulously about what it is that they are viewing and what it is that they are seeing. Dr. Lopez, could you give us an overview of how the program works over time? Do you work with a community over weeks or months? I mean, typically, how many sessions make up an Act for Change program? The An Act for Change program takes about about 10 weeks. Uh, as I said before, the young people or whoever I'm working with works on a series of first games and exercises, and then they um, identify the conditions or the issues that they want to address in their community. At that point, the, the group then creates a piece um, an original work. Uh, it's usually very short. And the presentation actually uh, stops at the height of conflict. That then is presented before um, an audience, and the audience is called upon to become a spectator. And so a spectator is a very important role in the performance because what happens is that the audience sees the performance uh, once 
and then is called upon to see the performance again and then stop the performance if they have a solution, an alternate intervention that they think may resolve the conflict on stage. And so an example of that, I guess, would be uh, one that we did recently on bullying where the young person is bullied through a period of time and finally at the end of the, the last scene attacks the, the other student who is making fun of her and, and has been bullying her for all of this time. And so what happened was that the audience during that performance, uh, some students and adults as well said stop and then got up and, and showed us their alternate possibility or solution. Um, actually, I recall in, in the performance, there was one adult that, that got up, stopped the performance, came on, and became the protagonist, and actually started to address not the bully, but the person who was the instigator and having the bully, telling the bully what to do. And so it was the first time that anyone had address that character um, on the stage. So it was really, it was very interesting. Hmm. And when you do these programs in schools, does this, does the impact extend at all beyond the walls of the school? Yes, it does. Because, and I mean, I think that's, that's why, you know, we adapted Theater of the Oppressed to include, and we call it Act for Change. Because after the performance, I mean, we understand that theater for social change uh, doesn't happen necessarily just because we do a theatrical presentation and someone says, oh, let's try to resolve this problem in this way, and boom, everybody still gets up and goes home, and life continues. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what we advocate for is to have the um, audience members at that point begin to really think about what are we going to do about this issue. Yes, we're going to present it. Yes, we're going to um, examine possibilities for intervention. But now, now that you're a SPECT actor, you have to act on these solutions that you said uh, are possible. And so what happens is that young people then come back together. The audience members actually come back together. They uh, begin thinking about what they're going to do, what, are the, what, what can they do to send the message out uh, that they want to send about whether it's bullying or domestic violence or, or any of the other topics that get addressed. So what might be some of those forms that that action might take or those activities might take? Do they involve um, creating other forms of art or are they community organizing or going to, to speak at public mm -hmm. meetings or what, mm -hmm. what kinds of things? So they can come up with a, a, a variety of um, options. Again, because it becomes student-centered, um, and we really sort of support the idea of really giving young people voice. What ends up happening is the last year, one of our, um, one of our groups decided that they wanted to do a peace walk. And so they created, they created chants, 
they did a lot of posters and drawings, and then they did a peace walk around their community advocating for peace, advocacy of uh, bullying, telling folks in the community that love is important not to bully. So sort of all of this is going on in the community. And then the teenagers organized a health fair. So one of the things that I think is, was really interesting about that particular group was that not only did they use other art forms to convey the message that they wanted to convey and to make the community aware of uh, what they were thinking about, but they also drew the connection between this idea that if you stop bullying, you are also advocating for the health and well-being of other people. And so um, the teenagers did a health fair after the peace walk. They invited people to come into the, the uh, community center and to get information about healthy living, about insurance. about So making that connection between something that that happens to individuals and how it impacts the social fabric of the community, I think was a very important um, learning outcome for, for the youth. You mentioned teenagers. Can this be done with younger children as well? Yes. So the Peace Walk was actually, was actually um, organized by middle schoolers. The teenagers organized the health fair and then the elementary school children did all of the artwork and the chants. So it was really sort of a, a full community effort. It's exciting. Dr. Lopez, could a whole class or school be based on the principles of theater of the oppressed? You know, that's something that you're like the third person who has <laughs> brought, I think the universe is telling me something. <laughs> Because you're like the third person that has um, brought that up. I think it's very possible. It's certainly not something that I've, I've toyed around with a lot. But I do know that in Newark, there is a school that has, and actually it's a charter school, ironically. Um, but it's a charter school on Paulo Freire's Pedagogy of the Oppressed. So... I think create a school um, based on theater of the oppressed, especially if it was an art school, I think would be very, very exciting. And it's certainly something now that I'm, I'm going to keep twirling around. Yeah, it's an exciting concept, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, is there anything that you'd like to add? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, one of the reasons that, that I started doing uh, the project was because I realized that so many of the young people in the Bronx and, and in Brooklyn, as, as a result of some of the reading that I did, have, have not been exposed to the arts. And I think that's a real detriment to uh, the learning of our young people. I think that it really stops young people from having the tools that they need to address some of the skill sets that they need in the, in the workplace. And so, you know, not knowing enough about 
um, the arts, not being exposed to the arts, you know, hinders someone from imagining things that are impossible, making the impossible possible, persistence and perseverance, working in a process-oriented manner until you get your solution. Those are all skill sets that are critical, uh, not only in the workplace, but critical to people's well-being. And so I, you know, I think it's a very important part of the learning process and something that we have to advocate for. And I think that it also gives us a real strong possibility for rethinking social justice and ethics. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. How can our listeners find out more about Act for Change? Well, they can certainly send an email to us at actforchangeel at gmail.com. And we'll be more than glad to send them information. We're in the middle of getting a, a website together and with the help of John, <laughs> getting a lot more sophisticated with technology. <laughs> okay. Excellent, because I think a lot of people will want to know more about this program. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's been very exciting for me just learning about it um, and actually getting to go and watch a couple of the episodes you did with Spectactors and to see the excitement in the participants. And, mm -hmm. and uh, one of them was with very young children and older children, and one was with primarily adults. And everybody really got into it. And you could also see the impact on the members of the audience um, when they actually said stop and then went up and did their piece in front of, you know, their classmates or you know, their colleagues. And it was just a very exciting process. So thank you again. Thank you. And, and thanks to our audience. Thank you for listening. Please tell your colleagues and friends about the Ethical Schools podcast. You can go to our website, ethicalschools.org, and sign up for this podcast and for our newsletter. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Ethical Schools. And if you'd like to suggest a guest for a future show, please let us know. You can reach us at john at ethicalschools.org or amy at ethicalschools.org. Thanks so much. If you're doing John at Ethical Schools, it's J-O-N without C-H. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, who knows where it will go. <laughs> Thank you, John. Thank you, Amy. Bye-bye.